Good afternoon. All right, it's good to see everybody uh, this beautiful Sunday. Thank you. All right, uh, you guys excited for the Word of God? Okay, uh, let's turn to the book of Genesis. Thanks. Last week we looked at Genesis chapter 2. This week we're going to look at the same chapter, Genesis chapter 2. I just wanted to do a short series on the book of Genesis. Not that short. Um, What was I saying? Uh, Yeah, so the beginning of Genesis. Uh, And I like the book of Genesis because it's a book about beginnings. And it's a book about origins. And where we come from. And uh, how we were created. And what we were made for. And what went wrong. And so it tells us a lot about our lives and the world and things we need to know. And so uh, I wanted to look at this. Let's turn to Genesis 2, verse 18. And we're going to jump a little bit. So uh, I'm reading from the ESV. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. Oh, make him a helper fit for him. Uh, Let's move to verse 25. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me. She gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And verse 21, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. This is the word of the Lord. All right, let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for your word. God, speak through your words, speak through me. Lord, I pray that your anointing, God, will be upon this message so that our faith will not rest on man's wisdom, God, but on the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. So, God, would you guide me now, and Lord, and prepare all our hearts to hear, to receive. Let your word and your spirit work to search our hearts and reveal, indeed, your heart and your love and your ways 
and draw us closer to you because of this time. Yeah, God, we ask your blessing upon it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, last week we looked at almost the same passage, uh, pretty similar. And uh, we're looking at it in the context of marriage, right? How God created marriage. We saw uh, the first wedding in the Bible from the similar passage, same passage. Uh, But today I want to look at the passage and look at it through the lens of community and relationships. Okay, Genesis, like I was saying, it's a book about uh, origins. And it tells us how we were created and what we were created for, but also what went wrong. In that process. And uh, what we're going to see here, we're going to see a lot about our design for relationships and for community. Okay? So you guys excited? All right. See, uh, the book of Genesis explains who we are. Right? And we see here that uh, we're going to see four things about community. So the title of the sermon is Naked Community. Right? Uh, It's not what you're thinking, okay? But... Um, it's called Naked Community, and we're going to see four things, all right? Uh, we're going to see the need for Naked Community, so the need for it, uh, the disintegration of it, the counterfeit of it, and the healing of it, all right? So four things about Naked Community, the need for it, the disintegration, the counterfeit, and the healing. Are right, you guys ready? Okay. All right, let's, let's go through this. All right, so first thing, we're going to see the need for it. And we read verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. And last week, we looked at that uh, in the context of marriage. God created uh, people, male and female. And he created marriage. And he brought Eve to Adam uh, like, like a father, giving away his daughter. And, uh, and it was a great marriage at first. But, you know, that was God's beautiful design. But what we also see is in a larger context, it's not good for man to be alone just in general, not just uh, in a marriage relationship, but in a community, right? When God created the heavens and the earth, every single day, almost every day, we see the same thing repeated over and over. The Bible says God saw what he had made, and he saw that it was good because God is a pretty good creator. You know, like when God does something, it's probably going to be pretty good, Right? Because God's, God's pretty good at what he does. You know, he's God. But uh, there was one thing that wasn't good. And we read it here. It says, it is not good that the man should be alone. And so God is a good creator. He's actually a perfect creator. But there was something missing with man. He had everything you could possibly imagine that he could want. Right? He's chilling in the, in the garden. Okay, it's nice weather every day. It's good food, right, from the, all the trees. It says the trees were also a delight to look at. So there's, you know, aesthetic beauty and pleasure, right? He has sweet fellowship with God. He has, he has everything that you could ask for, but it's not good. Something's not good. See, because he was alone and there was no community. Right? So, you know, right off the bat, we see that there's a need for community, that God has created us in fundamentally of who we are is we have a need for relationships and for community. And uh, theologically, we also see this. Uh, don't be afraid of that word theology. 
Okay, but uh, in Genesis 1, 26, it's, God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. See, everything else he creates, it, you know, God never says, let us make the sun and the moon. Let us, he, he never says that. He just says, God said, let there be light. There was light. God said, let there be this. But when it comes to humanity, he says, let us make man in our image. What do you notice about the pronouns there? They're plural. Right? And there's uh, different uh, interpretations of what this means. Some people think, oh, it's, he's speaking to the angels. Let us make man. But we're not created in the image of angels. We're created in the image of God. You know, some people say, oh, this is a plural of majesty. This is how kings talk. Let us do this. You know, like some commentators say that, okay? And, you know, some people, but honestly, that's not that persuasive. You know, like, like more likely, it's that actually God is eternally existing in a plurality, which the Bible teaches that God is three gods in one God. No, three in one. The Trinity, right? He's not three gods. He's one God, okay? I don't want to be heretical here in the pulpit. Uh, but there's three, you know, he's three in one. And so when he says, let us make man in our image, when, God, when man is created in the image of God, God himself existed in a community from all eternity. And so if we're created in God's image, that means we're like God. And we also are created for relationships created for community. And it's not good that the man should be alone because we're in the image of God. See, there's a need for community. Hey, whether you're a Christian or not, there's a need for community. We, we have that longing. But a lot of people don't understand that this is how God designed us. And so many of us, we don't lead lives that follow this truth, that we need community. You know, there's, especially in our world today, right? It's easy to put relationships on the back burner. It's easy to put community in the back seat, right? Not make it a priority in your life. And when you do that, you're not living the way that God designed you to be. See, if you, if you live for your work and for your career and for your accomplishments and you believe, oh, I just got to focus really hard on my work and my job and my studies and you don't make time and room in your life for community especially with other Christian brothers and sisters if that's how you're living your life then you're not living your life according to how God designed you to be because the way God created us inherent and fundamental to who we are is that we need community and it's very easy in our day and age because we're so busy, right? Everybody's busy. Okay, if you're not busy, then you make yourself busy, right? And most of us, we're pretty busy, and we've got a lot of things to do. And it's so easy to say, oh, you know, right now, I'm, you know, it's kind of a busy season. You know, i got a lot to do. Next season, oh, you know, this season this busy too. You know, after that, oh, you know, that, that, now I'm getting a little busier. But, you know, one day in the future, one day, you know, after all my kids, after I'm married and my kids are off to college and I'm retired, you know, and, you know, I have a lot of money. And then uh, now, okay, now I got time for community. And, but you're almost going to be dead in a few years, right? Because you're too old. See, it's so easy in, in our day and age because we live in a culture where uh, we say everything else is so important. 
Right? We need to achieve this. We need to study. We need to work. We need to, you know, we need all these things. And it's so easy to put community and relationships on the back burner. And sometimes it just happens and you realize that you've been living a kind of isolated life for quite a while. And you don't even realize it until a couple years pass by. Now, I'm not saying it's, it's wrong to be busy. You know, it's, right? it's, it's just a reality. But the way, if you want to live according to the way God designed you to be, if you go against God's design, then you're going to have an emptiness in your life. There's going to be a void, right? And your life is going to actually fall apart in different ways, you know? If you live only for work, and I used to do this because I can tend to be a workaholic, right? So if you live only for work, okay, then it's going to, you know, ruin your health. It's going to ruin your relationships. You can't keep up a marriage, a family, church community. You can't, you can't do these things. And, you know, in our, in our, in our times, everybody talks about work-life balance. Oh, I need to... You know, everybody's always struggling with the work-life balance. It's never going to end, right? Because we're always going to be busy. People talk about, oh, balancing family and work, family and career, relationships and work. You know, it's always going to be a struggle, but we need to prioritize community, especially in the church. We need to make this a priority because if you don't do that, then it's just, and you just allow things to just happen, you know, here, here's a problem is that a lot of people, they, some people, they, they're Christians for many years, but they're not really growing. They're not really maturing. They call, go to church. They listen to amazing sermons by pastors like myself, right? And they, and they take notes maybe. They say their prayers, okay? They, they, may, they may listen to good talks and have good teachings and go through these things, but how come they're not changing? How come you're not growing in your faith? How come you've been a Christian for so long, and yet you're still just like you were several years ago? You haven't grown that much. You're still as defensive as you used to be. You're still as abrasive. You're still as unreliable and flaky. You know, you're still as as harsh and, and, and begrudging and and unforgiving, and resentful, and bitter, and lazy, and, you know, I could just go on and on, right? How come you're not growing? How come you're still so unstable, just like you were several years ago? How come you're not as loving, and kind, and and sweet? You're listening to all these talks. You listen to all these messages, and, you know, it's a good thing to listen to podcasts, to listen to sermons. It's good, because we need truth. But, how did God create us? For community. To be, to walk through this life together with other brothers and sisters. And you can't do it by yourself. God says over you, if you're living an isolated Christian life, God says to you, it is not good that you are alone. It is not good that you are alone. You need to Get connected. You need to make it a priority. You need to put other things less important, maybe. Maybe, you know, maybe you can't progress as far as in your career as quickly as you as you want because you're going to make relationships important. You know, sometimes that's, that's got to happen. 
And some of you guys are like, oh, maybe you're taking offense. Oh, how can you say that about, you know, like, I'm studying so hard. I'm working so hard. I need to achieve this. And I'm just presenting to you God's design for how he made us. And if that's how you're living your life, then, you know, things are going to begin to fall apart in different ways. And you're going to experience that. And, you know, this need for community is, you know, it says in the Bible, verse 25, chapter 2, right? The man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. I talked about this a little bit last week in the context of marriage. But also in a community, God's design for our human relationships and also our relationship with God is to be naked and not ashamed. You know, think about that. What does it mean to be naked? Naked means you're, you're free to be who you are just the way you are. Right? You don't got to hide. You don't, you don't got to cover you know, this is me. You know, I'm not hiding. I'm transparent. I'm open. I'm naked. Unashamed. What does that mean? Unashamed means, you know, there's no fear. Right? But you're, you're free. You're comfortable. There's a peace about just, just being yourself. And to have a community, imagine a community where we're all naked and unashamed. All right, don't picture physical nakedness, okay? All right? You know, I'm just saying spiritual and emotional and, you know, just personal nakedness. Okay, free to be who we are. You know what I'm saying? Right, because God created us for community. We want to have those kind of relationships. We want to be known. We want people to know us. We want to know other people. We're not, we don't just want superficial relationships. We want to go deeper. We, God created us to long for that, to want that. To be naked and not ashamed. So, that's, that's a pretty good thing. Right? That's the kind of community that we should want and we should work for. So, we, we have a need for this. The need for naked community. But there's a problem. You know, like in every good story, the conflict. You need a conflict, right? The, the problem is there's a disintegration of community. You see, whereas before Adam and Eve sinned, before sin came into the world, nakedness was a blessing. There was no shame. We could be free to be who we are. Look at me. You know, I'm, I'm Paul. You know, like, and this is, this is what I'm like, and this is what I went through in my life. You know, openness. But after sin came into the world, now there's shame. There's hiding. There's avoiding. There's alienation. There's conflict our community becomes broken. Disintegration. Right? Verse 7. After they eat of the fruit, chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So what are they doing here? They're, they're no longer unashamed. They're no longer free to be who they are, who they really are. Even from their own spouse. Even in the most closest of relationships, they, they want to hide behind fig leaves. They, they're, they're ashamed of who they are. They, they avoid each other. There's none of that openness and that connection that they had before. There's fear. And there's blaming. Right, God's like to Adam, where are you? The woman. He just blames her. That's every marriage. Right? Like, 
Anytime you, you try to tell, tell the husband, hey, you know, you, you have this, you have this uh, flaw in your character, and I think you might, the woman, my wife. You know, I do this all the time. So, you know, the Bible's, Bible's so wise, uh, I need to repent all the times I do that. But um, that's what we do, right? We blame. When, we, when even the, the, the smallest flaws about our character and who we are, when they begin to get exposed, no, there's fear. We're ashamed. We don't want that to be exposed. One of the things we do, we blame other people. Who, who are you to tell me about this in my life? Who, look at you. Look at your life. What, what are you doing? You're, you're, not, you're, you're covering your nakedness and you're blaming someone else. Well, the reason I got upset, the reason I lost my temper was because she did that. Uh, that's, not, that's not the reason why you got upset. The reason why you got upset is because you're a sinner. And there's something wrong with you. You see, after the fall, we realize we can't be free to be who we are. There's, there's no more unashamedness because we realize there's something wrong with us. Deep down, we know there is something wrong with me. That's why we hide before God. Adam and Eve, they hide before God. It says, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. So we hide from other people. We also hide from God. There is so much shame. Shame is not being free to be who you are. Shame is knowing there's something wrong with me deep down. And I need to hide that. And I need to cover that up. And every one of us knows deep down, there's something wrong with me. I can't be open before my God. Because I'm a sinner. I'm deeply flawed. I'm deeply broken in the eyes of God. And we also realize that before each other. So whether it's in marriage, whether it's in family relationships, whether it's in a church community, like Adam and Eve, instead of wanting to be exposed, because that's pretty threatening. That's pretty dangerous. No, we don't want that true intimacy in that community. Instead, we, some of us, we'd rather avoid it, like Adam and Eve. We don't, we don't want to get too involved in community. We, you know, we just want to keep a safe distance you know, I'll come to Sunday worship where it's a big group and no one really gets in my space and into my life and, and gets to know me deep down. But, you know, there's a comfortable distance. So we avoid true community. Right? We blame other people, like I was saying. We minimize. We rationalize. When someone begins to point something out in us and they begin to see our flaws and our nakedness, we, we get defensive what, don't you don't you talk, tell me about that? That's not you know my my problem is not as bad as you say. Oh yeah, you think I'm abrasive? Well, look at you. So we we do everything to point away from our flaws and what's wrong with us. We know there's something wrong with us, but we can't we can't face it because there's pain in being exposed. So we minimize it. Oh, that's not that big a deal. We rationalize it. Oh, the reason I do that is because. You know, it makes sense. You know, let me tell you why. We justify. We get defensive. We do everything we can to hide our flaws and our sins. 
just like Adam and Eve. And so there's a disintegration where we were once naked and unashamed. Now we are covered up and we are ashamed. And that intimacy that we were created for is shattered. Trust replaced by distrust. Alienation. Conflict. We can't even face ourselves. We can't even be honest before ourselves. We put fake leaves up before our own selves. And we can't admit, oh, this is what I'm really like. Because sometimes that's pretty devastating to admit the truth about who you really are and all your faults. Right? To be, you know, sometimes we say, oh, I'm insecure about my flaws. See, that, that's what's going on. There's a disintegration. So let me ask you, are you, are you, do you have relationships that are broken? Where there's alienation? Where there's distrust? Where there's blaming of other people? It's not my fault. It's that person's fault. It's never my fault. I'm perfect. You know, do you have relationships like this? You know, let me, let me submit to you, there's a chance, possibly, that there is something wrong with you. Maybe. There's, there's just a possibility, right? Maybe not just the other person. You know, some people, uh, some people, they, you know, some people got burned by the church. You know, they've been to churches, they've known Christians. Oh, all Christians are so fake. They're hypocrites. They're all, you know, a bunch of, you know, they, they say they're like this, but they're really like this. Well, you know, that's, that's true. Christians are a bunch of sinners, too. It's a community of sinners. And you know, if you've been burned by the church, you know, um, and by other Christians, you know, I just want to apologize. You know, that's not how God wants us to treat each other. But I also want to say, welcome to the community of sinners. Other Christians aren't the only sinners in this world. You know, maybe you too. Just maybe. But there's there's a disintegration, not only because other people, but there's something wrong with us. And deep down, we all know that. So we're afraid. It's threatening. We don't want that kind of community. And you see, there's a counterfeit. We're looking at the need for it and the disintegration of it. But there's also a counterfeit of naked community. What's that counterfeit? It's these fig leaves that they make. They're not being who they really are. It's all it's all presentation. It's all oh managing my image. Oh, I want, you know, this is not what I'm really like, but you know, I want them to see me like this. I, I have my life all together. That's not that's not transparent, that's not naked. You're putting forth a presentation. You're, you're spinning. And so many of us, we're experts at spin. You know, there's this image of Paul and what he's like. And then there's the real me. But I want everybody to know this image. And what happens is, because when we do that, we don't experience that true intimacy and community. That's a counterfeit. And it's also a counterfeit with God. We put fig leaves up before God. They hid from the Lord in the garden. It's not like you actually can't hide from God because 
uh, he's God and he knows everything, but we still do this. And we present ourselves in a different way. And what are, they, what are these fig leaves that we try to bring before God? Oh, we say, oh, you know, I've sinned, but if I, if I just try really hard to impress the Lord and to, and to be really good and just to be good enough, or maybe, oh, if I just make another promise, God, I'm going to follow you. Or if I feel really bad, or even some twisted things, you know, in some other religions, like, oh, maybe if I just confess it to a priest, and that's gonna, that's gonna make me all good. You know, you know, all that is just fig leaves before God. All that stuff, it does not make you right with God by how hard you try, or how you can cover up and hide these things. You know, when we sin, most of us, were like, Adam, we want to hide from the Lord. But you see, you can't hide from the Lord. So you might as well run to God and find forgiveness instead of hiding from Him in shame. Flee to Him. He's a God of love. His nature is love. He's a God of mercy. Abounding in steadfast love. You can't, you can't hide. You gotta run to him. But we also put fig leaves before other people. Not only what I was mentioning before, how we get defensive, how we rationalize, make excuses, blame, but we also try to present other things in place of who we truly are. And so some of us we think, oh, if I work really hard. And, you know, I really accomplish my goals. And I, and I have a good career. And I reach a certain status. Then people will know that I am worth something. That there's something good about me. You know what that is? It's a fig leaf. You're trying to cover the brokenness deep down inside. Something's wrong with you. And you're trying to present something else before other people so that you can impress them. Fig leaves. Maybe some of us try to do it. We, we all try to do it in different ways. It could be your artistic accomplishments. It could be maybe your physical looks and how you present yourself in your appearance. You know, maybe, maybe it's like your possessions and the kind of lifestyle that you think you're living. You know, there's a lot of different ways that we present fig leaves before other people. That's why we buy certain kind of jeans. Right? To cover up our big butts, right? We're trying, to, we're trying to put these fig leaves up and, you know, hide what's wrong with us. Yeah, that's why we put on makeup. I don't put on makeup, but, you know. So I, so I, so I girls and some guys. If, you, if you're a guy, you put on makeup, I don't judge you, right? That's cool, you know. Some people do that now, all right? You put on these creams. But, hey, you know what I mean? Anti-aging cream. You know, these women are like 55 and they're trying to look like they're 30. Just be who you are. You know, like, why are you, why are you trying to be somebody else? Again, if that's you, it's, it's cool, right? <laughs> but, you know, we, we have all these fig leaves. And, you know, fig leaves, we, we know that they don't actually do a very good job. Like, nobody actually physically wears fig leaves. Oh, hey, where'd you get that dress? Oh, this new fig leaf fashion, you know, it's been trendy, right, in Paris and New York. And, 
you know, like no one, no one wears fig leaves, right? Because fig leaves aren't that good. They don't really cover you very well. And they're not that attractive. But this, this is what we do. Everything, the, all the ways that we try to cover ourselves, these fig leaves, they don't really do a good job. And we present ourselves, we put spin on this, but, you know, it's, it's not very attractive. And you know what? Fig leaves, they break, they crack. You gotta, you gotta, it's a lot of work to hold them all up. It gets tiring to keep up a certain image, not to be free, to be who you are, just to be authentic and to be naked. This is all a counterfeit. This is not what God created us for. The kind of deep intimacy, the deep community. God created us to be naked and unashamed, and so many of us were just settling for fig leaves. That's a very sad case. But hey, there's good news. Because the Bible is full of good news. That's not the end of the passage we read, is it? See, what's the healing of this kind of community? So they're naked. And they're ashamed. They cover themselves. What does God do? says he comes to them in the garden even when they disobeyed and even when they rebelled and the one thing God asked them not to do they have done it God still comes to them he's a God who pursues even when we're broken even in our sin even with all our flaws God is a God who comes to us he pursues us and what does he say? He knows all things. He knows what they've done. What does he say? Does he say, how dare you break my commands? Is that what he says? No, he says, where are you? Where are you? What have you done? Don't you know, I've created you for myself to have intimate fellowship that intimacy that unity that love where are you why have you hidden yourself from me why have you broken my design for who you were created to be why have you created this distance this alienation in our relationship where are you That's the kind of God he is. They've broken his trust. They've shattered the trust, the intimacy that they've had. God still goes to them. Not with condemnation. He doesn't, he doesn't make light of what they do. Right? The Bible says the Lord will by no means clear the guilty, but he pursues them in love, tenderness, and he says, where are you? Not only that, verse 21 it says, the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. He saw them in their pitiful state. Fig leaves. What are you guys doing? And he has compassion. Right? Even as he judges them, they're banished from the Garden of Eden, from paradise. Right? Death enters the world. And, you know, pain and toil and all these things. But he still has compassion. He sees them. 
in their pitiful state, and he makes them garments of skins, and he clothes them. What a God. That we are so ashamed. We're so, we're hiding in fear from God and from each other. We've lost the, the paradise, the sweetness, the fellowship. But God still comes. And he makes us garments of skins. That's the kind of God that he is. But where did the skins come from? Where do where you get the skins? You know, many commentators say that in order for God to make these garments of skins, he got them from animals. And what had to happen to those animals? There must have been bloodshed, death. For God to clothe Adam and Eve in their nakedness, there had to be death and blood of something else. That sounds pretty familiar to another story in the Bible where the Bible says that Jesus came to his people. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. It says the very people he had created for himself to have intimate, sweet fellowship, they broke his commands, they alienated their relationship with Jesus, and they hid from him. And they didn't receive him. But we see Jesus comes to them. Just like God came to Adam and Eve in the garden. Jesus comes to his people on earth. And he sees our pitiful state. He sees our brokenness and all that we've done to mess up our lives. And what does he do? See, Jesus is the one who clothed us with his garments of righteousness. He covers all our shame with his righteous robes. But how did he do that? By going to the cross. Because on the cross, Jesus was stripped naked, put to open shame before the whole world, exposed. Why? So that we could be covered. So that our shame and our nakedness, Jesus took that upon himself so that we could be clothed. So that the shame of our nakedness might be covered. So that we might be able to come to God with confidence that the blood of Jesus covers over all our sins. And there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no shame. Because the blood of Jesus has washed away all our sins. And now we are made white as snow. Despite all that we've done and everything that's wrong with us, Jesus took our shame upon himself. That's what the gospel says. He gave us his garments and he clothed us. And when you, when you start to see that and experience that, what Jesus has done for you, then you can start to have fellowship with other people. 1 John 1, 7, it says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, 
we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If you walk in the light, what, is that? what happens when you're in the light? That means you're exposed. You're not hiding. All your sins are in the open. You're confessing. You're not defensive. You're not hiding dark areas of your life. You're, you're transparent. You're walking in the light. And if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. We're, we're naked. And we have fellowship. And we're not ashamed. Why? Because Christ took our shame away. All those things that were wrong with me, all those flaws, all the ways that I'm deeply broken, everything that I've gone through, even the ways that I've been sinned against, everything that I've done, there's no shame. Because Christ has washed it all away. He's covered us. So everything I've done, hey, I can be open about that. It doesn't mean just reveal it to anybody on the street, like your deepest, darkest sins, because, you know, that's not very wise. That's, no, that's not the kind of fellowship that it's talking about. It's talking about in a community of brothers and sisters in Christ that you can find renewed intimacy. And the healing and the restoration of the kind of naked community that we were created for we can, we can begin to taste that again. Where people know who I am. They actually know me and, and I know other people. And it's not superficial anymore. And I don't got to hide behind, you know, distancing myself or behind this mask or this image or these fig leaves. But hey, this is who I am. I'm messed up. But hey, you're, you're messed up too. And the other person's like, yeah, I'm messed up. Hey, we're all messed up. And Christ covered over all our sins. And so... We can be kind to one another. We can cover over our, one another's flaws. We can be gracious and gentle, not judge each other, not look down, not, not laugh at one another when we're being vulnerable. But man, that kind of community is what we we're created for. It's been broken because of sin. And do you realize all the ways that you're doing that? Look at your broken relationships. Do you see the ways that you are causing that? You're contributing to that. Your own fig leaves. Do you, are you experiencing this kind of community? Yeah, I, I really want to exhort you. you know, some of you guys, you've been coming out to New Philly, or maybe you're, you've been coming out for you know, a short while, and you think, oh, but I'm really busy. You know, and you don't, you don't seek that kind of community that God designed you for. You're not, you're not experiencing the fullness of God, what, what God wants for you. If you think you can do the Christian life just by coming to Sundays, you don't understand what the Christian life is supposed to look like. It's supposed to be done together. And you've got to make it a priority. You've got to be in a group. You can't have 50 people on a Sunday and get to know people on an intimate level when we're just in this big congregation. You know what I'm saying? That's why we have community groups. You've got to be in a group. To do your faith and your life the way God designed you to be and to experience that fullness, you've got to be in a group. You've got to allow people into your life. You've got to allow people to speak into your life. Not just keep people at a distance. Some of us, we're so good at that. We become experts. We reveal ourselves just... We, we, we control what other people see. You can see this part about my life, but 
No, not this part. It's blocked off. It's a key. You know, you can't get in there. No, you got to let people into your life. And you got to let them speak. And you know what? You got to actually spend time with other people. You know, this is revolutionary, but to have community, you have to spend time. You can't have community without spending time. Okay? It can't, it can't be just through, just through texting once a week. It can't be just through just seeing people on Sunday service. It can't, you know, it, it can't happen. Hebrews 3 says, Exhort one another every day. Every day. As long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. It says, Exhort one another every day. It's like, I don't want to see these people every day. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, um, you know, I, I'm not saying you have to see people at church every day. But, hey, you got to see them pretty often. you got to make room for your brothers and sisters in your life. Hey, if, you have, if you're living an isolated life, you don't have many relationships with Christian brothers and sisters. Or if your primary relationships are not with Christians, then you're not living out what God wants you to live. Hebrews 10, it says, do not neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some. Some people make it a habit not to meet, and it becomes a habit. And the author of Hebrews says, do not neglect this all the more as you see the day drawing near. More and more as we get nearer to the day that Jesus Christ is going to return. How much more should we be meeting together? If not every day, be in communication See people every few days, at least CG, and, you know, Sundays. You know, go out to Sunday dinners. Not, you know, if you're busy, it doesn't have to be every week. Come bowling tonight. You know, get to know people. Let them into your life. Don't hide everything. You know what I mean? But, you know, build that kind of relationship. It takes investment. It takes time. Time that is taken away from other things. But... That's what we need. Because that's God's design. And let me tell you, the people who are in community and who let others into their lives, they're the people that grow and mature. I mean, you need good teaching too. If you have like, you know, heretical teaching and you're in a great community, you're not going to grow to become more. Good teaching, good worship, all these other good things. But you need that community. That's why some people, they grow so much while they're in uni. There's campus ministries. Why? Because they're just spending every day with other Christian brothers and sisters. Like every day and every hour. I used to do that too, so I'm not looking down. But hey, I grew a lot in uni because I live with brothers and sisters. We had deep conversations like often and we sharpened each other. I let them into my life. They saw everything that was wrong with me and they tried to speak into my life. I sometimes let them. You know, I was pretty defensive back then and abrasive. But, you know, praise the Lord. God is a God of grace. I still grew a lot in college. And, you know, this, why? Because it's the community. It's not something magic about being in uni. And, you know, a lot, a lot of Christians, they've experienced this in uni. And then they graduate and they're like, oh, I, I'm missing what I had in uni. You know, I miss that kind of thick, rich community that I had. Well, yeah, because you got to work too, right? God, you know, Adam is in the garden, and what does it say? The Lord put him there to work it and to keep it. 
You know, so we got to work. Okay, there's, there, there is a balance. There's a reality to that. But, no, you, you got to make it a priority. See people throughout the week. Call each other up. Get coffee. Grab a meal. Come out to community group. Go bowling. <laughs> the word of the Lord for you today is go bowling tonight. If you do not go bowling, you are in disobedience to the Lord. I'm just kidding, right? But hey, but honestly, hey, make make time. Okay. Some of y'all are in mess school. Yeah, I'm going after you, right? Oh no, I gotta be a doctor, Pastor Paul. You don't understand. You know, there's so much. To st- okay, all right, go, all right, all right. I'll give you. I'll cut you some slack, right? Go study. But hey, hey. Yeah, you know, make some time and just get to come out to see Jesus. Come out to dinners when you can. Meet up with people throughout the week. And, you know, many of you are doing that, right? So I'm just kidding. But, um, yeah. Okay. All right, so the need for it, we need it. This kind of naked community. It's been disintegrated. And there's a counterfeit that comes through fig leaves. But, hey, Jesus has healed that. Let's experience that together. Amen? Let's pray for it. Let's work for it. Let's have new Philly be a community where people are like, whoa, these people are naked and they're not ashamed. All right, if we're really naked, I think we're going to call, but you know, all right? All right, praise the Lord. Let's pray.